Hello and welcome to the Hacking State Podcast. This is your host, Alex Mershak. Before we get into this interview with Mark Wilcox, I'm issuing this brief disclaimer on the sound quality in this episode. I was traveling when this episode was recorded and did not have my normal microphone set up with me. And so in order to accommodate for the interview, I had to go and buy a microphone quickly um, from a store nearby to record the interview. And unfortunately, this ended up being a very low quality mic. So the result of this is that during this interview at various times, uh, my voice sounds a little bit harsh. And if you're listening to this uh, pre-recording right now, uh, my voice also sounds a little bit strange, but that's simply because I'm sick at the moment. Needless to say, the questions that I ask Mark can be a little bit rough at some points, and there's a little bit of a difference in volume. I did my best to correct this during editing, but was not able to get the sound uh, back to its normal level of quality. So I apologize for any inconvenience um, or difficulty this um, may have on your ears, those who are listening. That being said, this is a wonderful interview with Mark, and in a normal situation, I might choose to re-record it, but I really feel like we did a really good job. Mark is speaking for majority of the time, so I don't think my sound issues are going to be much of a problem, and Mark's mic was quite good. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode of the Hacking State Podcast with Mark Wilcox, and forgive me for the rough sound. Hello and welcome to the Hacking State Podcast. This is your host, Alex Mershak. With me today is Mark Wilcox. Mark Wilcox is the CEO and founder of 21E8, the magic number company. He's also famous um, for being sort of the introducer of um, 21E8 as a concept into the world. Um, you did so on Twitter by highlighting this very strange hash that we're going to talk about momentarily. Um, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Technically, I'm only one of a group of people who we uh, we uh, introduced that around the same time. There's uh, there's a few others floating around, but uh, but I huh. did uh, name. Uh, you know, we have started a company up in New Zealand, and we're working on technology related to that. Um, but it's uh, it's fairly it's already fairly decentralized. We have like a lot of uh, people developing partnerships and other companies floating around. Um, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that. Yeah, that's, that's a good, uh, point of clarification. Cause I think some of the articles that I was reading about it, they sort of credit you with it very specifically. Um, and, uh, you know, you're still like very involved with sort of the whole, I, I guess, state of it, the movement on Twitter as well. So I think people sort of just mm -hmm. jump automatically, mm -hmm. but it's good to give the others credit. Um, so where to start? I guess before we get into what exactly you're doing with your company, we should give people a good understanding of what 21E8 is for those who are maybe not familiar with the concept. So could you just tell us a little bit about the discovery and what it what it means to you? Sure. So like, oh, what, 2017 or something was a very uh, uh, interesting year for Bitcoin. Um, whereby you had all these kind of debates over what Bitcoin is or what it was potentially capable of, what it should become. Uh, it ended up forking. Uh, and uh, I was working actually not on any uh, 
Bitcoin blockchain stuff. I was working on uh, sort of the uh, HPC systems that are now that after they've been engineered and developed up have, have now you know been used to train these uh, language models and things. Um, but I was kind of uh, interested in it and um, uh, kind of in and around the community uh, with a bunch of other guys like Andrew DeSantis. And Andrew worked at the 21 company, which was the Andreessen Horowitz company, originally called 21E6. And 21E6 is the numerical notation for the number of Bitcoins. Um, mm. Now, we, I, I was kind of... Uh, learning a lot, not just around like parallel computing and doing a lot of high uh, high dimensional data structures, um, but also dealing with like error correction, fault tolerance, and data centers, and um, and interestingly, uh, data compression. Uh, at the company I worked at previously, we were involved in some really big radio astronomy projects that were using uh, uh, GPUs and and doing really large scale compression to basically. Um, uh makes make uh some of these massive ai style data problems that you see at the moment uh tractable uh which which they weren't on the on uh they're still really like uh, this is still kind of only part way into it uh, but it's really still uh early and i had um a uh uh mate of mine uh andrew who was uh here like i said he was working at the 21 company and he uh uh, he taught. He he was the guy who clued me in on all this like E eight uh, maths, um, mm. which was really interesting. And uh, I have a bad habit of uh, of buying uh, uh, dumb meme domains, and mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the ones that I had uh, bought at the time. Uh, and then a year later, uh, I was in uh, out in Mississippi. And uh, you know, uh, and, and and we like to joke that we kind of like flat, fell through a black hole, uh, so to speak. We had been uh, indexing uh, our tweets uh, into uh, uh, btc.slack.com uh, Slack mm-hmm. channel for about a year, and uh, we kind of sat down to um, to like clone the Twitter interface so that we could have have uh, and we'd been what we would do is we would we would tweet them. We would timestamp them onto the Bitcoin blockchain, and then we would delete all of them, so people could see all of that. They experienced it, but you couldn't recover it uh, unless you had indexed it and archived it, and in, and unless you knew how to go get that that Merkle proof in order to reconstruct uh, the graph again. And so that turn, we were kind of turning, uh, putting the Bitcoin uh, information market game theory dynamics. Uh, onto the information market in a very like playful, fun, experimental way. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was at uh, in Mississippi with Andrew, and uh, we were sitting there, there down to uh, um, uh, to 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 spend a couple of days on this project. And he tweeted the um, Genesis block, uh, and then I went to the to blockchain.info. And in the top right of the, it caught my eye in the in the top right. I saw that the block hash, uh, the latest block hash, said twenty one eight in it, and I had twenty one eight dot com in my uh, in my Twitter profile with some with some fun WebGL graphics and and things on it. Wasn't meant to be anything, um, uh, but uh, but then Andrew is this kind of he was uh, you know how like Kanye West had his whole like Bitcoin Jesus is King transformation. Uh, yeah, a lot of that character uh was kind of like discovered through bitcoin he was like tweeting decentralized and everything uh that was those were all kind of like crazy psych psycho kind of art techniques that andrew was pioneering 
on Twitter at the time. Uh, and uh, and so he's at DeSantis on, on Twitter, um, mm. and uh, which he, he doesn't have his uh, access to his account anymore. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I I just we thought that was funny. I tweeted it. Uh, and he uh, stayed up all night schizo posting about it, and then the next thing you knew, knew was it, it was on all the news, and everybody was having like a, uh, you know, uh, like a, a religious uh, event mm-hmm. almost, like uh, trying to understand um, what this what this hash meant. Um, and uh, interestingly, that was really the the, the reaction to it was hundred percent what was interesting about it. Uh, not any claim over like uh, somebody produced this thing, um, but just the idea that there's something else to, uh, you know, like uh, a, uh, a checksum as almost like a media format, a highly compressed, extremely dense media format uh, that caused this other reaction and 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 things to take place above what you would typically see, um, you know, expect to just like run and secure the Bitcoin, the the blockchain rationally. Um, so everything we're actually working on at the moment comes from, whoa, what the hell happened there, and uh, how do we make sense of it, and is there something that we can uh, like tap into there to actually pretty much uh, take the ideas that are there behind uh, like high dimensionality that we get with these. Uh, uh, lattice codings to mm. actually go hey is is there some other you know like ai bitcoin uh fusion architecture and so everything we're working on at the moment we've been working on uh, basically four years now as a company uh is around doing that and uh, and i mentioned the forks um when i was first getting started and we didn't have like a clear idea of what the business would have become I basically just said, you know, it's a high dimensional uh, version of Bitcoin. It's the only way that you can carry forward the dynamics and the understanding and the strategy and planning of what Bitcoin was when it was a single network. Now that it's fragmented, you have to take into account a much wider information environment. You you can't rely on like you, you can't trust uh, the blockchain essentially, um, but you can trust the composite uh, of them, um, and so that's basically the the idea. Uh, we got stuck in New Zealand longer than we expected, uh, um, and so we'll get into a, a little bit about what we're doing as a company. Um, but mm. uh, but but basically, we we call ourselves uh, information ar- architecture, which is kind of like a co- complement uh, computer architecture. Um, otherwise, yeah, I have to credit uh, Andrew with uh, with making it famous. Although I did post the tweet. Yeah, excellent. So that was a really good backstory. And for those who maybe are less familiar with the actual like lore of this, um, I just wanted to uh, clarify real quick the the actual like content of the number. Why why the number? Why the combination twenty one e eight is significant? So twenty one you know, refers to, to, according to, you know, the story on this, the number of Bitcoins, uh, 21 million that are ever going to be produced. And then the EA component comes from, I believe, Garrett Lisi's theory, um, right, that there's this sort of high dimensional superstructure known as E8 that might be the, um, I guess, base model representation of the universe out of which everything else gets projected. Uh, I think that's correct. 
Is that right? That's pretty correct. But the thing is, it's uh, it's what's called a magic number. So mm. there's all the the fact that there are multiple other interpretations, and even in the context mm. of the Bitcoin hash, where it's in a bigger hash, and you're reading the content, you're meaning into that piece. Uh, that's actually the meaningful part in practice. So it's like whatever story you can tell around a number is what gives it meaning, which is what makes it interesting. So it's not just about the number itself, which was a regular, like the regular Bitcoin block difficulty, Mm. 21E8, which was meaningful to me because I had the domain name. And and Andrew and I were like, hey, these are cool concepts if you can put them together, right? uh, At the time... We were also telling a story about there was it was twenty one eight and there were two extra zeros, and in the mm. first ever Bitcoin block in the Genesis block, which is also the the thing that Andrew was tweeting at the time, so he was thinking about it. Um, the original block in Bitcoin was uh, it um, was higher difficulty. It had more proof of work on it than was actually required by the original difficulty at the time. And so this is really where a lot of the interesting aspects comes into it because it wasn't just like reading some weird number, but it was also Mm. this pattern. And then you could tell a story about about putting an extra amount of work into it. Now, the other thing is that it's sort of like an immaculate conception kind of thing in that Andrew and I's experience of just stumbling across that when we were when when we just happened to be looking at, at the website, like we weren't there, like scroll, like scanning and waiting around until this number shows up to do some PR stunt or something. It was just completely uh, incidental. The fact that it was uh, that we had that direct experience first was like we weren't experiencing somebody else trying to come up with some weird story. That was just us, like whoa, that was weird right, uh, and kind of experiencing a, a cool synchronicity and having that uh, fit in with like, uh, like we're, you know, we're like media storytelling, uh, you know, uh, uh, music games. Uh, I, I think like all software is like a, is like a art form, like a um, media form. Mm. We, we uh, think on like the narrative uh, lens first and then like technology and architecture things like um, uh, following through in that. Uh, and Andrew applies that a lot to like how he writes his code and builds data structures uh, and things as well. Um, uh, but yeah, so it was this extra difficulty, which was really interesting. And that's actually, uh, again, still relevant in terms of what we're talking, what, what, what we're talking about in terms of what we're building as, as a company, because if you think about um, uh, Bitcoin, it needs to uh, have a sustainable value that's above the block subsidy just to keep the network running. It actually has mm. to have some intrinsic activity. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to survive. Um, and it needs to be t- tied towards improving and growing continuously that information architecture. And so that's where the, the E8 ideas uh, come into it. But there are like you could you could take a, a, a simpler like a, a simpler explanation would just be that okay just imagine a like a high dimensional Bitcoin uh, where like there's more actually more there's a conspiracy where there's actually more Bitcoins than there actually are. Uh, everyone mm. says there's 21 million Bitcoins. Well, what if you thought and you just go okay I'm just going to put myself in a headspace where there's like 2.1 billion Bitcoins. Cool. What's mm. that going to do? 
But the interesting thing is, and I come from like, uh, you know, storage transactions, like AI, probability, uh, fault tolerance, uh, erasure coding, all these kind of things. And what was what's really interesting at the base layer, when you look at mining in Bitcoin, the job that the miners are doing is resolving double spends. So when you pay a fee in Bitcoin, if you aren't double spending your Bitcoins, you're just giving money away for free because the miners don't actually have to do any work. They maybe have to do a little tiny bit of work to mitigate their own risk, but they don't actually have to make a decision or choice over which transaction to include in, if they can kind of scam you into thinking that it's like illegal or fraud or something to have two transactions uh, uh, for for one, um, uh, you know, for one output uh, mm. go out to the network at the same time. But everything that we're architecting at the moment is to be able to create much higher levels of uh, like hyper-dimensional context between miners, even at the individual node level. So think of it like opportunity cost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what the other miners are doing. They could just be like, you could be in totally cahoots with one another. But it's a, it's a bit like schizophrenia. Like it, the more you speculate over which way or which way or that way uh, or another, you end up like uh, going a bit crazy if you, if you over-dedicate resources into it. Um, so mm. we're trying to build this vision that has nothing to do with cryptocurrency, actually. We ignore the token altogether, um, you know, like uh, all of the Bitcoin kind of uh, space was all confused with like, it was all filled with uh, confused people or companies that uh, didn't know how to form like trustworthy business relationships. So we had to pull out of the Bitcoin like ecosystem altogether and just build our own uh, technology from a much lower level um, to the ground up. So, so everything we're building doesn't have it's a, a blockchain data structures fold into it, but it doesn't have a, um, uh, uh, you know uh, any of those mechanisms uh, uh, in it really. Um, but it's all there to basically create what we call a computational data market, which is mm. like a generalization of what uh, is happening whether it's a social network recommender system, whether it's a language model, or whether it's a, a proof of work uh, blockchain, or whether it's uh, things like a file systems or object storage, or a, you know, like a, um, a message queuing uh, system in a, in a data center, or actually how the internet works. Mm. So let's get into a little bit about what your company is doing. Uh, as you said, it's a computational data market computational data markets. Um, you're trying to build uh, these competitive systems that are melding together sort of content creation and distributed data exchange. Um, and you said that what you're working on is a universal price system for digital information. What does that mean exactly? It means uh, the same idea as when you hit a like button in a social network and they have your advertising profile and they use their advertising profile to determine whether you're uh, opinion is weighted higher or lower in, pro in terms of profitability and propagation and and, and uh, encoding like and figuring out how that relates to all the other content and structures so that it can put similar content in the feed together. Um, it's about doing that in the way same way that Bitcoin achieves a price discovery 
uh, uh, with, for the for the data and the and their token, but uh, but in a data centric form. So it's not some arbitrary token issuance database where you're tracking just the work and tokens, but you're actually mm. using that as basically the currency. It's like a gold coin in an actual marketplace like everything else that's actually valuable in the economy and people actually need to to eat and live and work and such uh, and such uh in the information space so out of all of the potential uh information that could either exist in the real world that you could go out and collect and mine like you do when you uh find uh energy resources as a bitcoin miner or computationally, where you could find synthetic information or ideas or narrative or marketing or whatever to encode as a data product, um, which that could be a, a language model output or it could be a NFT, basically looks the same thing to, or like just procedural, uh, you know, procedural uh, generation of graphics. Um, uh, we kind of class this whole category as a computational data market. Now, I worked on what's the, it, when we were working on it, the kind of storage industry was trying to figure out like, what do they name this kind of weird hybrid architecture of compute and storage? Uh, they mm -hmm. landed on computational storage uh, around like 2018, 2019. And so when I was getting the company started, that was kind of my way of like uh, trying to explain like, okay, there's this thing called computational storage uh people quite haven't quite figured out what to do with it yet um it's showing up now it's in like the supercomputers and the dgx kind of architecture it was shipped in the ps5 and the xbox series x in 2020 um but there isn't any actual kind of user space software uh file systems apis uh programming models that are built around well okay what happens when your hard drive can generate whatever files that it likes and so what people are now there's like a kind of buzzword marketing term for the content creation part which is um which is generative ai but that's still mm. very locked down into presuming that it all happen has to happen through this AI model because the 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 you have to kind of prompt the model in order to figure out how to how to like encode the context of of the um, uh, thing you want to generate and um, we don't we don't uh, we don't do that in quite the same way I can't go too much in, into detail because we have a bunch of patents we're working on but um, uh, but that's that's the that's the general idea. Um, and then so we're combining it with this like data exchange uh, aspect, which doesn't that which that currently we're kind of still on all of the old school legacy systems. So you may have a lot of like generative AI content, whether it's like generating text or you're generating like uh, 3D models. Mm. Um, like, uh, like actually they're, they're not 3D model. They're like, uh, the, uh, radiance fields that you can think it's like a light field. It's like a big, huge, uh, volume of, uh, angles and high dimensionality that you can move around and you can see reflections of. They have to down res that back to a 3D model and import it into Unreal Engine, which is like really slow and unrealistic in order to make it interactive and do net do networking and, and do all this other stuff. And it's the same thing for the content. If you think about like uh, GPT, well, how's, how do you like uh, distribute and share and like get a reaction? You copy it into Microsoft Word or you copy it into, into Twitter or Facebook. Mm. It's almost like oh. the distributed data exchange piece is almost going to end up like a um, uh, sort of like an open ad market 
or mm. like uh, um, or like if you come from a crypto space, like uh, like when they do uh, DeFi liquidity mining, they're trying to pull everything together and make it fungible again. Right, right. So sort of like uh, kind of a protocol almost that you're creating. It's a it's it's a product. You could think of it a, pro, a protocol, not in the crypto sense, but in the actual network protocol sense. But mm. it's very strange because it has this computational aspect to it, um, whereby you really have to think about it about uh, through you have like the protocol has to be as wide and general and uh, adaptive as possible, not rigid according to a specification with a consortium and things like Bluetooth. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it kind of uh, en encompasses uh, those things too. So kind of uh, same sort of like when people do WebRTC bridges and they try to like traverse over the network to be able to form connections between devices that that they don't have actual like uh, proper connections to each other. They just like plug them all full of adapters. Um, mm. same, same kind of thing uh, here, but it's in this AI model, like information-centric networking, like IPFS, BitTorrent, uh, Bitcoin, these kind of systems, uh, that kind of space. And what's what's the promise of achieving this uh, universal pricing system? What do you think is it going to fix in terms of the problems with the current digital economy? Yeah, well, most, uh, I was just tweeting this morning that um, AI has kind of caused a flip. So it used to be that, the uh, that the user's time was really valuable, like for advertisers, and people would be willing, and the advertisers could purchase that as a fungible commodity to put huge money into like millions and millions of eyeballs that could then cover the cost of delivering the, you know, entertainment product, essentially, communication service of like getting you some messages. Mm. Right. Uh, attention is now no longer a front end phenomenon. They can, uh, like, uh, it, a lot of the economics and the money is changing as well. So the advertisers kind of like they don't have money. Like the cost of running the the social network communications part of it is going up, and the mm. value of the information is going up. And the advertisers can no longer afford to run it. They have a lot of their own actual problems that they can't just keep on pouring money into, like click uh, showing people ads that they they never actually clicked. Mm -hmm. uh, we went through this whole five year period whereby the entire online advertising market was actually political manipulation and like misinformation warfare, uh, as opposed to like buy my product. Right? You could argue maybe it has been like that for for much longer time, but Right now, it's uh, it's 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 come to the roost where AI has disrupted, like the transformer models that were invented at Google have now mm. disrupted Google as a result of Google engineers like building their models. So right. everybody is finding that compute is money, data is money, bandwidth is money, electricity is money, but the US dollar, it kind of comes and goes uh if the rates are one way then it's money and if the rates are another way then it's not um right and the closer you are to that the more you've kind of been burned uh in terms of like you're entirely swayed one way you're entirely swayed the other and you don't mm. really have any good, any good grounding people outside the u.s 
a US dollar is still money. Um, so it gives uh, people outside the US like a, a strange uh, competitive advantage. They're just uh, not as wealthy as um, as uh, folks are in America. Right, in, right. In a, material sen- in a material sense, maybe I should say. Yeah, and and is there really a is there a strong? I mean, I know you said that it's not really involved with uh, with the actual token per se, but is there a connection to Bitcoin in terms of the company that you're building? There is, yeah, and uh, I, I would say that the Bitcoin miners like need to. They have immense pressure to find any scalable alternative to uh, subsidies. Um, mm. even if the subsidy, even if the price goes up and the subsidies continue, that doesn't guarantee that infrastructure they have in certain parts of the world is going to stay there. All of the mining infrastructure that was deployed in China got shut down pretty much. Um, yeah. and there's nothing stopping, uh, currently, you know, after COVID, all the mining power went to the United States. There's nothing, nothing stopping a similar, uh, and there's like a lot of people in the States now who are like, really keen and excited on get back industrial manufacturing and everything if they if 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 companies like us can't be successful in capturing the value that they provide in a tangible form then they will all collapse and go out of business and look like those you know like you know when the floods floods would come through in some place in china and and thousands and thousands of basics would just be there um going bust um, yeah. The uh, you know the Texas electrical grid is now entirely dependent on Bitcoin mining to be able to provide its backup power supply, and so yeah. that is a very real thing. But they're tied to the Bitcoin economics. So so we're working with a bunch of people around the place like that. Like most of our efforts are not like public. We look we we like the meme because it keeps people mm. entertained and it buys us time to like get our actually actual technology developed, get it safe, like work with these kind of big customers. And it's really difficult to get your head around and like pulling out of like the basically not just uh US dollar model, but Bitcoin to date and in its entire operations has been purely speculation, like a means to get dollars based mm. on like buy low and sell high or mine it, right? And yeah. now everybody is grappling with what the hell do I do with all these dollars that got printed? NVIDIA <laughs> is now the example of a much better, um, you know, they're the new uh, like digital currency group because they just uh, invested $1.3 billion into a company, into an AI company. And then basically they're the only supplier of GPUs. And so they go, hey, say, this is the price. Here you go. You want they basically just investing GPUs and in companies now, right? Mm. Um, uh, and and so um, so we don't see ourselves as having to, like we see Bitcoin as a small subset of the computational data market, right? And once you can see that, and and like most people in Bitcoin, they just like pretend like other cryptocurrencies or pretend like tesla power walls or pretend like other other things don't exist and they just purely focus on the rule you know on the algorithm by which bitcoin runs but the fact you have multiple they're they're lucky at the moment because there isn't a sec like none of the bitcoin forks are meaningful meaningfully Mm. competitive but if you had one of them uh you know even temporarily disrupt the main one or you just had a like a bank run moment 
uh, Bitcoin is very vulnerable to that. And so a lot of our technologies and capabilities, they're all to, to go, is think of it like I was saying with this DeFi kind of aspect. The Bitcoins are really at the proof of work level now. In order to achieve stability and fault tolerance, in order to not be exposed to that kind of risk, you need to be able to account for the value. You don't necessarily need to process transactions, but you need to understand like you, you need to get a warning signal if uh, if 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 some price fluctuations are going to happen. And in 2017, uh, it was very it was it was really I think like BCH was like 1,200 bucks or something. Mm. Uh, you know, it, 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 there was a there was a period when uh, right after the fork happened, where it was uh, very tumultuous. Right. So, so there's a problem with sort of the conceptualization, I guess, internally with the Bitcoin community. Um, and then, I mean, there's multiple layers to this. One is like the perception, at least inside the U.S. for most people, and and definitely outside the U.S. as well, of, um. Bitcoin as like a, a dollar like derivative almost. Um, and really the ultimate goal is to sort of flip the entire thing around, right? And so, and, and, and the flipping, so it's called, is it seems to be happening a little bit, but people are still sort I, of I, I would say that it happened, like AI is the new Bitcoin, right? Like what mm. happened was you had a bunch of these GPUs who were on Ethereum now yeah. they went to some other uh, like now all of the money you know like nvidia is not putting like entering they're not competing with bitmain like bitcoin is dead as a competitive computational market mm. but it is still a massive systemic risk because it continues to be around and prop up prop up prop everything up right it is mm. actually really robust and decentralized and trustworthy so there's a huge amount of other kind of risk and other computational market stuff that's sitting on top of that because it's at least safer to do like a blue sky Nostra thing than, mm. uh, than like running Twitter on Google cloud. Right. Like Elon just right. is like, it's not going to pay my bill. We're gonna, we're introducing rate limits today because our Google cloud, uh, agreement, uh, expired yesterday. Uh, you get 600 tweets, right? Like that's his right. risk management, um, uh, strategy. Uh, currently, we, there was a huge amount of money that was printed in 2020. That is still propping up Microsoft and Google and OpenAI and everybody, but it's 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 not uh, it's it's basically VC money, right? Right. It's not going to be yeah. around there forever. Like, yeah, they may they if they can't solve their systemic risk or whatever issues, more money will be printed, but that will just perpetuate the problem, right? Um, uh, yeah, so it's not about yeah. like flipping of of something or another. And the fact that Bitcoin is no longer a competitive market, like there aren't it, it up until the halvening, people were making really crazy ASICs and competing with whatever little like you know thing they could squeeze out. That that mm. all that all kind of blew up after after it wasn't like you know the big blockers and the small blockers really aggressively hating each other and competing over the one network. When they just mm. had their own networks and they're like, oh, cool, you have a good time, you have a good time. Um, there's no competition anymore, right? And so what you found, like uh, like a lot of the, even though like a, a lot of interest, like BTC went up in massive value and compute in terms of security as a as like a stable asset, 
And a lot of these other networks, they did some crazy cool engineering of uh, like different applications you could build. People delivered on on like the utility utility value, but unless you could have those two things plugged together, then you don't have a single decentralized market anymore. It got in, like it got included in into the logics of like the the US dollar market where it likes right. to have lots of little monopolies and so BTC or BSV or BCH or Ethereum or Solana, whoever it doesn't matter. For all mm. intents and practices, they're exactly the same as a Tesla stock, right? Or Apple stock or whatever. And if you look yeah. at if you think about okay, uh well, okay, what's the best investment over the last few years? If you cared about uh cared about you know withstanding inflation, you probably should have bought NVIDIA stock. Mm. Right? right because nvidia stock is the new bitcoin okay so so you're saying there's sort of this disjoint between the sort of financial market on one side and then the actual underlying substrate of all of these technologies which is compute data etc and this this causes a problem because there's sort of an inherent um mixing of signals or lack of signaling both ways when really the financial component of all these projects is sitting on top of this underlying uh, data market, or maybe it's more, I guess, a computational market, yeah, would be the best way to put it. Nobody knows what the US dollar is worth. <clears throat> yeah. Except for Bitcoin. Bitcoin prices US dollars in a global market. Mm -hmm. If you know what a fair price for our US dollar is, then you can trade it. And so everything we're doing is at a macro level about finding price discovery back onto compute by using the much broader information market, financial market, whatever. And the entire global financial system is already a computational market it's just not anchored on anything it's like fear it's fake so what happens is that more and more capital goes into blackrock aladdin where they run the esg algorithms mm -hmm. to like just determine at the policy level how they stabilize like the socio-cultural like compliance to manage risk in the economy and like in the in the society and they're dependent on the currency and capitalism market stuff to be able to have some liquidity but it's also this backwards compatible thing that's now run by computer systems right and so when you think about 2008 that was a failure to predict risk that was in a derivative but in 2004, the uh, essentially the uh, difficulty level of computing computational derivatives went up a lot because the Intel CPU stopped scaling and it went multi-core. And in mm. 2006, 2007, 2008, you had uh, NVIDIA coming out with uh, general purpose programmable GPUs. You had a lot of people doing work with FPGAs. And it's the same thing that you know ended up you you that you saw in Bitcoin with people uh, optimizing the 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 compute uh, on the mining side, 
uh, they it was just all the uh, you know high frequency trader Wall Street kind of kind of guys like uh, I forget I figured a name like literally uh, one of the biggest uh, executives in the crypto space was the uh, inventor of the uh, CDO the collateralized debt de- uh, um, obligation that crashed yeah. the whole financial market and so tokens and all these other things they're all like now you have a- AI come out in like t- 2012 2013. Um, and you know, a few years later, uh, the whole uh, economy uh, blows up again in, in 2020, right? So we are in for a long time. We're already in in this market. What we don't have is an understanding or a consensus or any measure uh, by which people can agree upon or negotiate how to uh, load balance risk from high complexity general purpose compute computational derivatives and pricing. And advertising information, etc., onto real physical critical infrastructure and electricity and like farming and everything. And after the failure of actual like of you know things like Bitcoin to be able to resolve that at the geoeconomic level, like you previously had uh, Russia and China and the United States in hyper competition, hyper com- competition before between each other, right? Mm-hmm. Now basically everybody's like, okay, we're just going to go back to war. Right, right. So uh, do you think that uh, some sort of breakthrough in uh, processing power would would help this? Or is it really just that the systems have not been properly reconfigured to the, under, the, pro- to the processing power is, is not the problem? The processing power is incredible. The processing power is like the demand. That's like the uh, war machine behind the US dollar that's propping it up. All of the mm. value in the Western world is from like the US military industrial complex. Right. Right. So the problem to solve is how much compute it takes to generate value. Mm. Right. And if you think about what is actually happening, like Bitcoin hasn't disappeared, it's just a much stranger more distributed harder to uh figure out how to crack open we're we're trying to generalize that so it doesn't matter you like make it all accessible again so you can do anything and that's why we can do crazy things on the internet because we understand the value right Mm. What was happening was that all of the inefficiencies uh, in the in our, the way that we have built computers for decades were being ripped out and replaced with like you know ASIC companies that got started up in eighteen months and just like uh, they they just self funded their way to market off of their off of their mining uh, proceeds right mm. the same. We we want the same thing to be possible for software and information so that the amount of computational work you have to do to get useful results out doesn't keep on exploding because now, right now, you may think that like, wow, chat GPT is the most amazing thing ever. It's actually the crappiest 1980s, like, terminal it's like slower than a than an ibm 
terminal, like Apple One user experience, like it can't even calculate numbers correctly, but the amount of electricity and the amount of engineering that has to go into chat GPT to figure out how to write all the letters out to give you your prompt answer is just astronomical. But the whole economy has to be filtered through that because that technology and the compute and the capability and the AI algorithms are what are out there doing all the real work for people, like uh, self-driving the taxis around and, and such and such, because everybody kind of like spent the entire, they got psyops by the internet. So they spent mm. their entire childhood and training, like typing things on a computer and like playing, uh, playing virtual, like, uh, you know, like they have like the farming simulator game. Like maybe right, right. you could have a real farm, right? And you could earn money right. from that. And it would be like yeah. amazingly traced God-given uh, computer graphics. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I just did a – the last interview we did was with a homesteader. And uh, the homesteading movement's growing quite a lot. But uh, you can get back into the analog world if you want. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, but it's that's, that's like the meta, real metaverse basically is this is the psych, crazy cybernetic thing, that's the transformation that's happening is AI mm. is destroying people's belief in the computer because the computer is now learning and understanding that there's a whole other world out there of things that are that are real and tangible and that aren't uh, easily manipulatable. You can't uh, compute your way around gender out in, uh, out in physics. Right. So, so, I mean, well, I guess maybe you can get robotics to a point where the, where it can start to uh, manipulate many many things in the physical world. But uh, I mean, to me, it seems like in, most but of in, in reality, issue of dexterity. Though, like the industrial revolution is currently going backwards. All mm -hmm. of our compute and all of our engineering capability is going into trying to figure out how to get uh, like the um, uh, the like the the nursing home uh that like lady right. like we are crap we're out of immigrants so uh maybe elon can you like manufacture us some more humanoid looking people that can come around and take care of people like uh the industrial revolution happened a long time ago mm -hmm. all of our current issues uh all of that infrastructure that we still rely on to be able to like you know uh order things off amazon is collapsing and so mostly what's happening in the economy is identifying what is the actual critical infrastructure things that we have to put our very scarce resources and people in, into from almost like the government level and yeah. a lot of there's like a lot of international collaboration because the global problem to be able to figure out okay at least we need to get water and electricity and like uh you know food and everything to people if they can mm. do that, they, nobody needs any video games. Don't worry. They're not going to have any time. They're going to be panicking and trying to figure out how they find some water, right? Right. Uh, but unfortunately, all of the systems that created that problem are still around on this, like, virtual reality uh, that I call America. Now, America lives in, like, this metaphysical uh, place where everything is backwards and, and nonsense because you have the, Yeah, yeah capacity their capacity to rationalize and overthink and argue uh mm. and then outsource it all to to somewhere else right well yeah i mean one of the things that's been remarked upon and probably is going to be increasingly a problem in the future is uh you know we spend more time in the virtual world and then don't notice that the physical world around us is degrading and then it that that is creates a feedback loop where 
you want to spend more and more time not in the physical world because your surroundings are terrible. And so as long as you're comfortable enough in the digital space, you will just, uh, people will continue to overinvest in that. Um, then the other thing, I guess the other issue with just like maintenance in general of like crucial infrastructure is that it doesn't produce a high return, right? And so if you're 100% focused on, or at least it doesn't produce a when high- When measured in US dollars, when you believe in US dollars, that's correct. When right. you are not scammed, when you believe that compute is money and, you, and then you go, okay, how are the supply chains and what's the this and what's that and all the price is going to change if this thing happens or that thing happens. Mm -hmm. The whole, it's like Wizard of Oz. You see like the yeah. dude messing with the things behind the scenes and like instead of being scared of this huge big brother like uh, US government thing, it's like, oh, like Biden is like an old ger geriatric dude. Like, why would anybody put any effort into being paranoid schizophrenic over like the US government where they literally just like have a, a like a non-president, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so people are still, what, what I meant before, where mm -hmm. that this whole system and world is still around, is that people are still doubling down on this like digital virtual, I'm going to work on my computer thing but they're scamming themselves out of like the life they could be having because they're still thinking I need to make X million dollars in order to have, in order to retire to the countryside where I can live a nice like life and have a family and kids because, because they can't just admit that they have to do work. So they have to somehow get a bunch of money so that they can retire to the countryside, but still be able to pay other Amazon delivery drivers to like bring all their stuff. And they're trapped in that, the like, uh, when they're trapped in the this literal like you, you know how I was talking about the Amazon delivery drive drivers before, they're trapped in that shrinking economy. But this technology that's out there that's growing enormously, it's not like it's gotten worse since the 90s. It's phenomenal in terms of what you can do with it. But it is mm. really difficult to program and control and can do everything with because it's uh it the the way that the systems are architected at like a communication uh uh programming level like they are they don't scale to a big company so big companies they are just dedicated to continuing to hold on to whatever they've had like intel are just completely incapable of improving their their um you know, like uh, uh, silicon density, any, the transistor density anymore. Everyone's like mm -hmm. Moore's Law is over. But people are still making big improvements in transistor in, in the in the chip density, but they can only do it in small teams, right? And so what we are lacking is this, like what Bitcoin does at an economic level. We need that at a socio-cultural level to be able to, reduce the actual cost of communication, right, around all these different aspects. And the social networks were doing it for a while because they were making everything amazing and open. And then mm. as soon as uh, as soon as soon kind of Facebook and things realized um, how much money everybody was making off of their platforms, they charged businesses to be able to post their own audiences on their page. And the uh, the whether it's uh, Bitcoin or Urbit or our stuff, like uh, or actually a lot of the things that like Elon's trying to uh, push Twitter towards as well. Um, yeah. uh, 
who it doesn't matter whichever uh if, if any of the technology whichever of the technologies are uh uh successful the whole drive and the whole prospect of all those technologies is to make it like the you know this is like the original idea of bitcoin right peer-to-peer payment between a, uh, a consumer and a merchant mm. um, but the entire existing economy is dependent on that intermediate relationship to be able to hold up all the existing capabilities if Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, whoever, like uh, community people, were actually using those technologies and tokens to sell real goods and products and reduce that, that risk, then we would have a huge market. But they're not. They're just still scamming people off like monkey pictures. Right, right. right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, well, you were speaking about the, you know, the prospect of like ma- misinvestment or disinvestment in like the existing important systems reminded me of something that happened, I think, a month ago. It was one day that I was working and uh, Amazon US East 1 went down, <laughs> like the whole thing, because there was some sort of problem in the main data center. And the whole internet was like freaking out about this. I made some tweets about it. And um, it was like a moment of realization where it's like, oh, you're not you don't understand that so much of like the modern economy actually completely functions off of this one choke point or, you know, a handful of choke points. And let's just say the power, like there's a power grid failure on the East coast of the United States. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, there was one that happened that wiped out a huge chunk of the East coast, like New York and new England. Um, and it was out for like several days. If that happened today, uh, huge chunks of the economy would be extremely like, extraordinarily disrupted. I mean, I'm sure that Amazon has certain backup systems and they can move things elsewhere, but um, it's something that people aren't really considering. We're building really fragile systems. Yeah. um, uh, In 2020, all of the, uh, it used to be that nobody paid uh, any interest in New Zealand as a market. In 2020 and 2021, every single one of the big tech firms uh, came to New Zealand and and started a hyperscale data center projects. And what's that for? For continuing running. They're basically like running out of. They don't in the US. They're not convinced that they can continue to run and keep things stable. Mm-hmm. Like they have too much organization. Like America is very large, so whenever you have any little problem the market exploits the existence of that problem to be able to get as many dollars and make it as big of a potential problem as possible. Like a lot of these companies, they have to go to smaller regions in order to provide that resilience and make their organization like uh, tractable. It was similar like uh, New Zealand and uh, everybody uh, started up space agencies um around uh 2016 2017 when uh that was when rocket lab was getting started here um Mm. and so a lot of the things that we're doing is and i've had a lot of direct exposure to it you know in the market and a lot of crypto people they get paranoid over like big tech thinking that they're big and scary and monopolized they're actually we need so much from those companies but they struggle so much to deliver because of their size and because they basically print money. So they don't have money isn't real to them. So, so mm. it's, it's extra difficult to actually solve any of these problems. That's why like they hire up everyone. They play like a huge price because they value your time and engineer and ingenuity 
and like engineering expertise and they want to form teams. They just don't know how to do it and they're already drowning in problems. Everybody, uh, very few people have had exposure at the very low level of how the data centers are run, how the economics work, how all the supply chains function, uh, how the teams are organized and how they do their testing and merge it in, how they measure all their all their uh, you know fault tolerance and things like that. Very few people have been exposed to that and there isn't time to train up new people. Uh, the fires need to be put out now. Right, and that's the real reason that so much effort is being put into artificial intelligence, is because even though the cost is exploding and the UX of all like computers, like the software is terrible compared to what it used to be, it's still much, 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 much faster than trying to train up a person and put them on the team. And and like uh, AI model, although they put like AI safety stuff in it for like uh you know the public. Mm. It doesn't have any political, it's not confused about its gender. It's like, I'm an AI model trained by OpenAI. Tell me what you want me right. to do, right? Yeah. It's like really nice and robotic. Like they've solved the, uh, like the, um, the white collar, the white collar robotics problem, right? right because they right. can actually just type things in and get things done and code comes out. It's, it's amazing. Mm. Uh, it's not quite developed up at the moment and that's creating other sorts of risk. Um, but those are all nicely, they're all technology problems that actually like the AI is fairly, the AI stuff is fairly self, self-improving self now. Um, but yeah, so we need, we need companies and a lot of our effort has been purely only focused on this problem, which is how do you use this technology to run an organization? Because to date, every single startup, once you go over 30 people, you have communication breakdown as a result of the CPU processor architecture, right? So, like, as soon as there's still this complexity, you you need some structured way of organizing. And the only means of structured organizing that is available to, uh, you know, allocate resources and assign permissions and everything has been tree structures and CPUs and RAM in, in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. And we went through this initial, like, Kubernetes virtualization thing where you can make it like a really big, even slower CPU that has tons right. of RAM. Uh, and, but the recommender systems were the first instance of this AI stuff, solving that big dimensionality problem and finding ways to, to connect people and coordinate people without going directly through. Bitcoin is also one of those where it could uh, do distributed um, resource allocation. The problem is that everybody just put CPU uh code and tree structures and like token issuances on top and then just uh sucked up all of that all of that extra uh capacity that was created um so all of our effort is along we need to be able to create companies that are in the range of 30 to 1000 people again and we need thousands of them to exist by the end of the decade otherwise like you're just going to be uh like you like Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of competition over homesteads. Like you think the housing prices, housing prices are going to right. go out like real nice if uh, if if the city doesn't function anymore, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So there's sort of like tyranny of scale that's happening, um, where you need the middle-sized companies to be viable again, and they they they're not because of macroeconomic reasons. At the it's moment. called the curse of dimensionality. Mm-hmm. And so 
the more you have this like fiat uh, computational derivatives um, way of creating value that doesn't mm. have a countermeasure, it doesn't have any way to balance it out, you get more and more crazy speculative monkey picture-like ways, high-complexity ways of competing over value. And there needs to be much simpler, easier, resource-efficient ways to go from A to B. Like instead of having a whole Uber driver scam, like crazy VC-fueled bubble thing, you could just like own your car. Like like instead of having self-driving cars so that you can look at ads to pay for the computer technology stuff mm -hmm. so that you can get from just make a car without any computer in it with an engine and a steering wheel and like and air, some airbags probably and like drive yourself over over there and like leave your car and then own it and drive it back and take care of it. So we don't, it's the, all this intermediate stuff has destroyed property ownership. Like people right. call it, they've, now this is the if people complain about capitalism because it was like the capitalist system became this. Right. But if you look at the definition of capitalism and you look at what we're doing, it's not capitalism, right? It's a weird computational socialism. And mm. capitalism is actually very simple. It's like, oh, I like buy assets and they like if I buy the right assets and I take care of them and they go well together. Then, like, uh, you buy a bunch of little things that you put in your house and a couch and car and stuff. And you have a family, and you take care of it, you make a nice garden. Somebody will pay a big premium if they like need a whole house, like right now, ready to go with all of the all of the things. Yeah, right. Out right. of work and investment and like emotional kind of and like like decisions, human decisions that go into that. That's what profit is. Like that's what people are paying for at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so value added, uh, basically. Um, yeah, so I wanted to uh, ask you a few more questions before we wrap up here. Um, one of the things that I noticed on the 21E8 website, uh, which is ever at 21E8.com, is this countdown timer, uh, which is very you know ominous and mysterious. And it looks like someone driving in a car, going somewhere. What is this countdown about? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> if you go to 2108.nz, uh, that's our other website, and that talks about yeah. what we do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so we'll leave that as a mystery for uh, for the viewer to maybe find out about later. Um, maybe we haven't even said what we yet. You know, we'll see. Right, the right. Well, I mean, zero. this is what I like about 21E8. There's so much mystery involved in it. And I think there needs to be a little bit of mysteriousness uh, re-injected into the world. Because, again, a lot of the problems that we're talking about, um, you could say, are the result of very like contingent historical forces or economic forces. But they're also uh, partially a result of like a lack of curiosity. Like People are just not asking enough questions about why the system isn't working or whether it could be totally different. Um, one, of the, remarked... um, one of the interesting things about Bitcoin, one of the interesting things about Bitcoin is mm -hmm. that it is at its core a clock, but it's also a countdown timer because it mm -hmm. has a, an issuance curve. Um, and that has yeah. certain like uh, 
psychocultural effects. It also has an interesting information market, high uncertainty, strategic uh, kind of environment thing that emerges from that. There's a concept called, uh, so all of these AI kind of big centralized companies, they operate on what's called decision theory, which is the mm. act of inference equivalent of game theory. It's not game theory yeah. to understand the environment and like how some mechanisms and actors are going to behave, but it's the act of like, okay, but if you're actually a participant in that system, how should you act? And most decision theory is like most game theory based on zero-sum games, like based on von Neumann game theory. And Bitcoin is based on Nash equilibrium, uh, high uncertainty, high dimensional game theory, whereby the way you think, you know, what's that uh, quote, like the best way to predict the future uh, is to create it. Like mm. the lowest risk way to really actually kind of know, manage your risk, know things for sure, have high certainty is to make decisions that actively uh, improve your information awareness, improve your decision-making capability. It's like, if you don't know what to invest your money in, then like just invest it in the stock market and wait a bit and get more money or invest in Bitcoin, wait a bit and, and resist inflation. Um, mm. But there are actual things to do to create value that, uh, you know, that when you recognize them, it's really, really important. You recognize that and you go after it. Bitcoin used to be there because it used to be a very weird, strange little thing. Now it's established out and it's, it is a, it's an easy, safe bet. It's like invest, investing in Apple or Microsoft or uh, NVIDIA. Um, yeah. And uh, so there's a concept called information gap decision theory which is decision theory uh, in high uncertainty environments. And so everything we try to make sure of is to maximize our optionality to also minimize getting classified and getting a certain, uh, getting pushed into a certain domain by these existing uh, information systems. We have, because we use our own technology and we're building our company off of that, we have an incentive almost to create a consumer, to satisfy consumer entertainment demand, which is what most venture capital and everything is actually startups is like a cool entertainment. Look at the cool technology and then think about it and buy it. Mo like SpaceX, for example, and Tesla are both entertainment companies because they need consumer buy-in over the they need to watch the live stream they need to like stare at the at the 3d render and go wow that's cool and uh, mm. buy tesla stock and then they use the um multiple on the tesla stock to you know take four years to or five years or whatever it is to deliver the cyber truck right and right. that's a critical like economic function at this point we exist in the same market and like the idea itself it's like I was the, the closest, um, you know, like the first to be subjected to the phenomenon. But I, uh, like, you know, I had uh, exposure also to a lot of the technologies and capabilities. And I come from like a media, media games uh, kind of background originally. And mm. so that all, that was really interesting to me. But then when I kind of like folded in all this other understanding that, that, that you know, we were thinking about and where it was in Bitcoin or where it was in AI stuff, well, the interplay, uh, you know, the years before that, 
it was like the natural thing to do when you don't actually know what the company is or what it's going to become or what the right path to market is, but you know this is like the thing that we need to hone in on and explore. It's almost like a self-naming phenomenon. So everything we do is almost like dual. We have our actual technologies that are very high risk, very difficult, very unproven because they're non-traditional. And we need to be able to kind of like do that in a, as small a, like, we don't want hype over the technology is what we want to I want to say it, but mm. there's this immense infinite demand, like the Bitcoin like represents at least in like, in like at least some form of idea of this like crypto energy data market. There's like, it's sitting and waiting to be spent on whatever utility, something's going to happen. And a lot of these other altcoins, like they would also, you know, they would, they would do that more directly. They would have some other little thing over here. It's like, hey, maybe here's some other technology that doesn't exist. Come over and spend all the time that you're uh, just looking at the price. Uh, look at these cool monkey pictures and play this game and do whatever and do whatever, right? And so then they would monetize that hype. But the problem is that most of those projects, like early on, even Ethereum, even though like I'm a big critic of Ethereum, but Ethereum has done a lot more actual like technology real value uh, development than every yeah. other successive altcoin that has come after because right uh, because people really like uh, um, they just ended up uh, um, getting used to the fact that it was just pure entertainment value, right? So we mm. have a need to uh satisfy and to get attention and awareness and like all of that kind of stuff to be able to have a computing business in the future we need to be able to have um awareness but the other thing is which is really interesting is that the more awareness there is of the idea completely separate from all the things that we plan to do as a company yeah actually the more people have the same experience where they have to figure out that they have to think hard about it, learn what these things are, do their research and come to these insights without anyone like selling them some scam coin thing in the middle. Right. And so we really like the fact that at least if we can take up that, um, into, you know, that uh, market share and like entertainment space, introduce yeah. people to the ideas, then we can mm. make sure that somebody else isn't sitting there and, uh, and filling it in. Right. So the way to think about it is if we weren't in there, there would be another Ethereum, Solana, other kind of like altcoin thing that would have been putting a token into it and it continuing to extend out this uh, process that has that ha has has happened for, for years at this point. So the way mm. to think about it is almost like a it's like a uh, uh, I, I have been uh, saying that. Um, you know, because like it, we really struggled in 2019 when we were starting things up. We really, we we're like, don't look at the company name, like, don't think about that. Um, but we we're out there like, uh, explaining to everybody, like, you got to stop with these SaaS companies, it's not sustainable. You need to be working on like solving real problems, like, all this is crazy. Um, everybody stopped caring, like, nobody believes in SaaS companies anymore. Cloud is dead now, they're all trying to figure out HPC AI stuff, it's really interesting. But the thing that was really fascinating was mm. how, uh, and Twitter now is also an example of this, but Square added a dimension. They became block. Facebook became an infinity meta symbol thing. Right, right? right. Now Twitter is becoming the X corporation. 
Yeah. Yeah, everybody's still mad about us because we're like some weird company, but everybody is for some reason they're like used to they've just accepted uh Facebook decided he wants he wants to be an infinity symbol. Nobody is mm. sitting there screaming, knocking down his actually he did a really good job of his like 90 minute long like uh animation movie to go like this is my vision for the metaverse. Um mm. it's, it's completely impractical and 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 uh has and and he's like trying to pretend it didn't happen. But I think that like everything we're doing is exactly the same phenomenon where we basically recognize, hey, this old like flat Bitcoin uh, symbol thing of like send some thing back and forth that was cool in 2009. Um, it kind of needs to be updated for the computer architecture that it's about to run through. And yeah, it's going to be strange and weird. And uh, we're going to add some dimensions like we're like an eight dimensional orb thing. Um, right. With but, a, with a, with the cube in the middle. Look at all these other companies. We're actually just in the same market as them, and uh, the entertain like the people who would PVC be pl playing like you know huge big uh, photorealistic uh, crisis video games where they get all this cool entertainment. Now they're having to just like sit and scroll on TikTok videos. So mm. like we're trying to go. Here's some cool like shiny or hyperdimensional and like the nfts like you know were, were doing the same kind of thing they were selling people tokens with like ray tracing attached to it right yeah that's what people really want and they want like you were saying they want the intrigue and they want the mystery but we're kind of looking at that at a very uh serious like measurable big market problem and it cuts straight into how the actual computer architecture is functioning. And we need to maximize uncertainty in order to basically rate limit the complexity. We need to be able to force the market to deal with an information overload problem because otherwise it's going to keep on generating this complexity, flooding people with confusing made up uh, like uh, backward symbols and we mm. need to move back to a world in which we can, okay, maybe you're not going to be able to trust information and news and like stories and everything for a while and pictures, but like, okay, maybe we start at, start at the, uh, um, uh, at the hash function. Maybe we start at the, uh, at the like Bitcoin script. Maybe we start at the, at like uh urbit knock, uh, instruction set, like basic mathematics. Um, mm. maybe we have to go like, we have to, well, get as far away from the computer, like have a physical office again, take the devices off of people. You can trust each other. They sit in front of you. You can trust your daily experience. We need to move back to these base primitives whereby people can have, uh, like, be in reality and not be in, like, crazy psycho metaverse culture war. Once you have those frameworks, whether it is, like, from the, uh, like, the knock kind of level that, like, the Zorp guys are doing or whether it's from like the uh, cultural level, which is what we're trying to do in New Zealand, right? Mm. New Zealand is a very small society, so so we don't just get this like in our own company, but uh, like things that are entire companies or departments in the United States are just one person here, and you just call them up uh, and have a coffee with them. Um, uh, whether it's either of those directions, you need some sort of grounding to be able to form trust between people and form the same like mental model and understanding to be able to make any long-term plans, come to consensus over anything, build anything that's more complex than, you know, like uh, a, a, a one or a, uh, or a very small uh, team of people uh, can create. Okay. Wow. Um, 
I'm so glad we did this uh, this interview because I've learned so much uh, in our short time. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. Um, yeah, it's really a total paradigm shift in more than one way. Um, one thing I want to just ask uh, before we head out, uh, like one last question, is what is it that you believe that is sort of the most uh, succinct takeaway um, from 21E8? the company, the movement overall, um, for people to keep in the back of their minds as they're going forward? We're, we're like, a, you know, AI plus Herbert plus Bitcoin maxim, maximalist uh, mindset people. So mm. we do a weird, strange hybrid of like, you need to control your own keys and you need to host your own software and you need to like build out industrials. You need to like Whenever there's an opportunity, you need to ape into it as much as big as possible to maximize the return on investment um, uh, kind of thing. Um, go. We don't know for how much longer you're going to be able to buy the state-of-the-art chips that you can program yourself that can have these capabilities. Uh, take at least 10% of your Bitcoin holdings Go to the Apple website and buy Mac minis and stack them up, whether it's your home or like uh, scattered across your friends or whatever. Computers are money, but you need physical access and physical control over them, and they need to be extremely low power, and they need to be highly fungible and easy to use. There's some parts of the world uh, that... Uh, they may become like Apple computers may become the most fungible, but you, so you could be uh, putting 3,500 bucks into like one M2 chip with a flashy weird headset display attached to it, or you could be buying them for 699 uh, over the Apple website, right? Mm. Today. Um, so that's kind of the thing. We like to meme the Mac mini thing because it's very accessible uh, it's not actually in conflict with all of this existing complex. It's actually still helping, helping it, like everybody, all of the cloud is dependent on Apple computers, iPhones, MacBooks to be able to mm. scroll and look at ads and things and, 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 and distribute you the information as a result of those systems. Um, right. Uh, and uh, Apple, uh, Apple Silicon basically is money. I used to say this with the GPUs. Now everybody is also treating the GPUs uh, like that. Um, the the next thing is not like finding access to some H200 or H100 or somewhere off in some cloud data center so that you can profit off of like some temporary uh, AI bubble. Um, go de-risk your exposure to collective communication, collective computational systems. Get a bunch of other computers that you can stake up in your garage that are the most fungible. You want them to be small and simple and lightweight and really versatile, and they have the best security in them out of anything. So if you even just needed one Bitcoin wallet, then you still want to buy a Mac Mini for that. It's still the best mm. like hardware wallet that uh, that you could imagine, right? Um, and uh, and then turn them upside down so that the thing on the bottom, it looks like the 2028 Black Circle logo. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, where, where can people find out more about you and more about your company? 
Yeah, just uh, go online and like go onto Twitter and type 2028 in the search thing. You can find all our people. All right. This was great. Well, thanks so much. And uh, I had a great time. Bye, everybody.